But then you have one of the most iconic cultural venues on the Upper West Side. Welcome to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast, where experienced expert New York City real estate brokers, John Gustaska and Jonathan Conlon, break down what's happening in the market, what you need to know, whether you're a buyer, seller, or agent, and their insight into the future with a little bit of fun along the way. In this episode, John and Jonathan discuss everything you need to know if you're interested in living on the Upper West Side and give some very promising statistics and analysis about the current state of the Manhattan real estate market. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. It is the Upper West Side episode. It is wonderful to see you in your new office. And Thank you're you. looking very, very fine and sharp. Your light is perfect. Well, you know, after being in, uh, in COVID and working from home for, what, six, seven months now, um, I figured maybe it's time to leave the dining room table and go upstairs to our, uh, our third floor where my wife, had, my, my loving wife, has, has overtaken our office because she's a therapist, as you know, and she needs her privacy and, and confidentiality, et cetera, et cetera. So I begrudgingly left her take over that office. So I've, we've decided to rearrange some things and now I'm gonna have my own office in conjunction with our guest bedroom and such. So I'm starting to set it up. But if you saw, if you saw what's below here, <laughs> you would, uh, it's not really set up yet. And I'm actually on a fold out table. So well, I think, it, well, it looks but it's great. on order, the desk will be here. So but I like the windows in the background. I feel like it's a more interesting background, which beautiful. I like. It looks like spring, even though it's freezing out today. So Without further ado, let's jump right into what are we going to talk episode. about? We're going to call it the what you what you always wanted to know about the Upper West Side episode, Upper West Side and market stats. So let's dive into the market stats, the weekly report. All right, and I got to tell you, even though the market's challenging, buyers are nervous, sellers are nervous, deals are getting done. They so are. with that. There was a 34% increase between last week's numbers. These are signed contracts and this week's signed contracts. And year over year, 12% increase in signed contracts. I think that's very telling. So again, 51% of the transactions were a million dollars and below. And 91% of the transactions were below $3 million. Okay, there's a smattering. I see two 10 to $20 million sales. Last I checked, it was not from us, but congratulations to those who are doing this. Next week we have. Next week, I'm working on that. So are you. We're always working on the big deal. And um, so we've also continued to remain busy. So what about you? You're moving. And we saw that all through October. I was talking to a client that actually just reached out to me before jumping on here. And I haven't talked to him for probably three or four months. And, uh, you know, I reiterated to him the, uh, the statistics that we've seen and this, this continuing to move forward and, and do more and more business. And, you know, contracts hit a 34 week high this past week. So, um, so that's fantastic. And we had a very strong October. 
So of course, you know, it, it, it feels a little bit of a lull here, right? Or as we, uh, as we hit the uh, election time, because we're recording this before the election, but we'll, we'll see it here uh, shortly and hopefully the results and hopefully, you know, nice, easy transition or continuation of power and nobody's, you know, getting crazy or what have you. Yeah, so so it, the bottom line is that um, the market's moving as we've reported for weeks now. And uh, that's a good thing. And people need homes and the buyers who are, they are zeroing in on the, the deals and the sellers who need to sell are getting their apartments sold. And there's a very interesting graph that came out this week with the, uh, and we'll post it in our show notes, which is the uh, contracts reported signed by week since March and it's last year versus this year. And it shows you those lines basically converging. So, um, and really good doing, shot. yeah, even doing, you know, more business this year than what we did last year. So that's, you know, it's an interesting graph to see. And of course you see the massive disparity between, uh, during COVID time, but uh, we've quickly gotten back to it. So hopefully it hopefully it continues. You know, that's that's what our hopes are. I think once we get past this election, once we get um, get some solidification on that front, no matter what, I think we'll we'll see some some more movement. I think I people are hyper focused on it right now, and uh, you know, uh, solidification is the number one thing that we need. Sure. So, and people are distracted right now. So we found that in past years where people become distracted and they take their mind off of real estate and then all of a sudden people start jumping in. So we're welcoming that. So the Upper West Side, John, your home, the Upper West Side. Yes, it's been my home for 32 years of my life. And I loved being a West Sider. I love being a West Sider, period. I always find it interesting where uh, people are, are, are their allegiance is heavily one or the other. Um, having never lived in either the Upper East or the Upper West, um, I have my druthers. I feel like I would fit, I would enjoy the Upper West Side maybe a little bit more, but it's hard to say, of course, until you live in a neighborhood. But people are very, like, there's a real polarization between the Upper East and the Upper West. Absolutely. Where people don't cross the I park all that never, often. Ever, ever, from the time that I moved into New York City in 1988, when I had my first apartment on West 57th Street, I thought, I have arrived. Even though it was between 9th and 10th Avenue, it was West 57th Street. Like, I even knew what that meant. And since then, I always wanted to be near Broadway, the Broadway District. I wanted to be near Central Park. I wanted to be in the heart of Manhattan. You know, and that's where I lived for 12 years. And now I'm still on the west side. And I would never... A little outside it. part, but you're a little, little further north now. But that's interesting, you know, it's interesting to bring that up because I think that's what happens with a lot of people. They move into the city... They move into one specific neighborhood and that just becomes their home. And that's where they, they end up staying because there's so many different flavors. Every neighborhood has its own flavor, its own uh, nightlife, its own restaurants, its own yeah. museums, et cetera. People just get locked in. I don't think it's because they you know, don't like the Upper East if they live in the Upper West or vice versa. I think it's, it's just a matter of uh, where people land initially and then they just get comfortable there and stay there. You know, 
So the Upper West Side, uh, as we talked about the Upper East Side, Upper West Side is on, refers to the West Side of, the, of Central Park. You know, I know you're excited to talk about the Upper West Side because you're a longtime resident. You know it better than I ever will, having lived there as long as you, as long as you have. 32 years. Um, what's the history of the Upper West Side? Very, very, very interesting that you ask. So like we talked about in the West Village when we talked about that, most of the population was downtown, you know, financial district and such. And so it wasn't until 1879 that above ground trains were developed, came into existence, and that brought, slowly brought people up with the development of the train. So the as we discussed in the Halloween episode, the Dakota, the famed Dakota on 72nd Street was the first built, one of the first housing, um, the first uh, residential buildings up there. And it was kind of in no man's land. It was kind of like out in the Dakotas, you want to call it there. And so that was the influence and the beginning of the Upper West Side as we know it. And then ultimately Columbia University really anchors the Northern part of the Upper West Side. It's, it's funny, you ever see like a picture of the Dakota when there was nothing around oh, it? Oh, I love it. it. Same you see from the, uh, in the Upper East Side, these old, old buildings that were built before, and there's like farmland. Or farmland, farmland, that's what it was. It's, it's mind-boggling. It's so, yeah, it's so mind-boggling to see the, uh, those old historical black and white pictures with nothing around yeah. but these big majestic buildings. Obviously, the biggest park in Manhattan is Central Park. Uh, so when we did our Upper East Side show, we didn't talk too much about Central Park, other than the, we kind of take it for granted, like people understand the, the size, the scope of Central Park. But, it, you know, it's, it's over 840 acres, massive space. Um, and what's great in Upper East, Upper West, even if you're on the river, to get to the, to the park is not a bad walk. Um, so you're close. The Upper West Side additionally has uh, Riverside Park, which stretches, has now a running path that stretches from the tip of the northern tip of uh, the island all the way to the southern tip, which will continue. I think we talked about in the Upper East Side uh, show where it will stretch around the whole island. They're still, I think they're running into some issues in Sutton Place, but, um, but that will be completed. So uh, Central Park, it was, you know, the uh, New York State enacted a law that set aside 775 acres uh, back in 1853. And then since, I guess they've, they've grown it a little bit probably to the north um, and such. But um, Central Park obviously has these big meadows like Sheep's, uh, what is it? Sheep's, Sheep's Head, Meadow. Sheep's Meadow, um, where New Yorkers go and stretch out on the lawn and get soak up some, some green space, which is uh, a rarity. Um, so that's always the biggest attraction for the Upper East, Upper West, or one of the biggest, uh, is just to, to be adjacent to such uh, a great green space. And we've talked about it before. I love Central Park. I walk through it. If we're in our office at 60th and Madison, walking across the park to uh, uh, appointments in the Upper West Side. Uh, is a great jaunt in the middle of the day. And it's just, it's, it's such a dichotomy with the concrete jungle versus this beautifully manicured uh, uh, private, you know, garden 
park here in the in the city. So, um, but the up the Upper West Side has a smattering of other little parks, but those would be the two the two big ones that everybody thinks of: Central Park and the Riverside Park. Which is Riverside Park, obviously very thin, but they've done some amazing piers and uh, and such all along the Upper West Side uh, that have made it much more attractive and uh, and uh, enjoyable. So. In my neighborhood, they even have, uh, on the upper level, they have uh, outdoor cafe. Mm -hmm. uh, you can get burgers in the summer. They'll do music. Uh, and it's a wonderful place to walk your dog and just Riverside I'm talking about. Because I, yes. I always thought I could never live anywhere away from Central Park until I got to Riverside Park. And do you know how the small loop of the park is 1.8 miles that you can run? And then the large loop is, I think it's five or six miles. And you know how I knew that? Because I ran two New York marathons. Back in the day. And I, I trained in that. Central Park. Hmm? I forgot that you ran the marathon a couple of times. Youngin, 1993. I mean, it was way before my time. 1993, 1995, yeah. So then you also have, but you have great museums. You have phenomenal theaters and entertainment venues, which I'll talk about in a second, and different attractions. So museums like the Natural History Museum, which is the most popular museum up there with Hayden Planetarium, the American Folk Art Museum, New York Historical Society, the Children's Museum of Manhattan is up there. Um, and then smaller museums, the Museum of Art and Design, Nicholas Rorick Museum. I want to say on the Upper West Side, though, so really phenomenal museums are there. Which one's and your favorite, John? The, the Natural History. Yeah, you know, it's, mine too. I have not been there in so long, but that planetarium is amazing. Um, but then you have one of the most iconic cultural venues on the Upper West Side, and that's Lincoln Center. So Lincoln Center comprises several buildings, including the Metropolitan Opera and the New York City Ballet, the uh, Juilliard School for Continuing Education, um, Lincoln Center Center for the Performing Arts. So it is <laughs> a world-renowned institution, and I know that because my husband's at the Metropolitan Opera. Yeah. But then also- You're Pretty off close link to that. Off-Broadway and music venues, such as Beacon Theater. I saw Tori Amos at the Beacon Theater, Vivian Beaumont Theater at Lincoln Center. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Wait, did Tori you just Amos. say you saw Tori Amos? I saw Tori Amos in the 90s. In, and do you know she's still singing? So then also there are off-Broadway theaters. So you have Vivian Beaumont at the um, Lincoln Center and then the second stage theater, and then, then attractions. So on the Upper West Side, when I say attractions, Columbus Circle. So it's that wonderful circle that has the Time Warner Center where there's not only um, phenomenal luxury living, but jazz at Lincoln Center, uh, the Grand Bazaar at New York, in New York City, uh, Soldiers and Sailors Monument in New York City, the Fireman's Memorial, so all different kinds of attractions. Just like the Upper East Side, the, the Upper West Side is a big draw for people. It's a big draw for uh, the population, the families, uh, et cetera. So you have uh, lots of schools, public, private, uh, religious schools, et cetera. A lot of people get drawn up to um, 
to the Upper West, just like the Upper East, to to get their kiddies into, you know, what they deem the uh, the right school to go to, or whatever works works best for them. So you have, um, but also universities. So uh, Fordham, my my wife's alma mater, um, great school in the, in the '60s. Columbia University, as you mentioned, further north, big draw for families to be up there to go to be close to the parks and to get their little ones into uh, the schools that they deem. But you mentioned Columbus Circle. Columbus Circle not only has all the things you mentioned, but also has some great restaurants in it. Correct. One of which we spent a, uh, uh, still to this day, uh, one of the most expensive meals we've ever had together. No, it was not one of the, the most expensive meal ever. Certainly the longest meal I've had. Um, I can't believe after we left, I couldn't believe we, but we, but why, I'll let you tell the story. So yes, Upper West Side has fantastic restaurants, uh, bars, and of course my bakeries. But yeah. the restaurants where the four of us had gone to right before Christmas one year, we actually got a table at per se the week before albeit it must've been like five o'clock at night, but it, it became a, about a five hour dinner. And it was leave. storybook. For dessert because we still I weren't know. there. What was it, it like was a seven delicious, by the way, your dessert. We, we, we had yours. Anyway, yeah, it was, so per se is there. And for those who don't know Manhattan, in the Time Warner Center, which are the two, the two towers, there are several fantastic restaurants that are in there. And, uh, per se is one of those restaurants. So per se, but at one CPW, Jean-Georges. So we had that phenomenal meal at per se. And then Time Warner also houses um, wonderful steakhouses and uh, masas there, the Japanese that we've never been to yet. We should About, go there. We should, we, maybe we, go should, we should book again. a year out for that. <laughs> and then Morea, where we've been also, we've, we've, we, we treat ourselves once a year to a really phenomenal New York experience. The Leopard at Des Artistes is one of our favorites. And then also local uh, favorites. One of my all-time favorites is Cafe Luxembourg, still one of my favorites on 70th yeah, Street. too. And Cheska on 74th, I think. But then also, there are, there are more, they're not these nightclubs, but bars, local bars, but we classify Bar Baloo as a bar, but it's also Baloo's restaurant. David Baloo's restaurant is phenomenal on the Upper West Side, Lincoln Center. But there's also Oxbow, the Dead Poet, uh, Milling Room, local, local hangout bars, and then fantastic bakeries. Like I talked about the West Side. Uh, in the, Let's Venice spend Village. a couple minutes on bakery. Magnolia Bakery, when they opened their location on the Upper West Side, I was in heaven. So Magnolia's there, Silver Moon in my neighborhood on 105th and Broadway, beautiful, tiny little bakery. It is the little Mecca of my neighborhood. Uh, Levan's on beautiful, wonderful, wonderful bakery on 74th. Levan Bakery, those cookies are the best ever. The Hungarian Pastry Shop up by Columbia University, fabulous. And then bakeries that I don't even know, Barishow or, or Washer's Bakery, by the way, bakery, Patties. All, It'll be there by next week. You'll check them out. I think that they're, they're wonderful places for me to discover. One thing about Manhattan, you can always find a new bakery. There's always a good Danish right around the corner. Always a good Danish and a good bagel. What about, what about Zabar's? We would yeah. be 
we would be, oh, and Red Farm, phenomenal restaurant that I was taken to, Red Farm, fabulous, but also Zabar's. We have, uh, you know, Whole Foods. Well, Whole Foods is over all over the place. Yeah. But you got Whole Foods, you have Chitarella up there. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, vibrant community. Yeah, it's great. And it's easy to get to. The Upper West Side has great transportation. You've got the ABCDs, trains that run up Central Park West. The one, two, and the three that, that go up the, the center of the Upper West Side. So the real estate. So as opposed to the Upper East Side, the Upper East Side is jammed with a lot, especially get east of Lexington with these big post-war 100 to 200 unit buildings, et cetera. The Upper West Side is a little bit more, it didn't, it, it didn't go through as much of a development boom, I feel anyways, in the 60s, 70s, when you saw the Upper East, Upper East Side with all these, these massive buildings. And it feels like the architecture is a little bit more, um, a little bit more pre-war. Uh, there are a little bit smaller buildings in general. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's what it feels like to me, having you know worked up there uh, so much. It just feels like there's there's less uh, there's less density. Correct. Um, there's less real estate there. Less real estate, but a lot of real iconic buildings that everybody thinks of. You already obviously already mentioned the Dakota, but what are some of the other ones that people would on would on wreck? Central Park West? The four Grand Dames would be the Beresford, the San Remo, the Majestic, and the El Dorado. But then you have, uh, as we talked about in the Halloween episode, the uh, Dakota we talked about, but the uh, Ansonia. One thing that you mentioned, though, in terms of the newer buildings and all, what I find is, yes, along that, closer to the Central Park, you're going to have a lot of pre-war buildings and townhouses, but then also in the 60s, 70s, and more like newer development, it was the development along in that Lincoln Center corridor, but then also the Riverside Boulevard corridor. Right. Uh, in the 80s, 90s, uh, uh, 2000s, and along, that's where all major newer development is happening. But it, yeah. it seems, and it's, it's bringing the two, like where Central Park is to Riverside Boulevard, there's a lot of space there. It's bringing it much closer together, but it's taken a long time. Yeah, I guess what I would say is the, like you mentioned, the, around the Lincoln Center area, the new developments where you find these bigger buildings and such, and by new, or just saying post-war buildings, are in are seem to be more centralized in specific areas instead of spread out yeah. instead of spread out where the upper east side feels like those are peppered throughout the whole upper upper right. east side it's just more so, land over there yeah so, and real estate prices you know we always say park avenue and fifth avenue on the east side rivals central park west on the west side yeah and you'll have a uh, riverside drive will have you know uh higher prices than let's say in the west 90s or west 80s you know depending on where you are so uh real estate is uh there's there's wonderful real estate over there there's not as much real estate over not much real estate on the upper west as there is on the upper west, upper east side so prices can tend to be a little bit higher on the upper west side depending well, on where you're especially over the past like the upper west side has just rallied for uh for years you know especially in the uh, the development boom of the of the early 2000s. I think the Upper East Side lost a little bit of traction with the Second Avenue subway and such. That really was a detraction for many, many years. 
people not wanting to be uh, around now that. And now it's now it's happening. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that when people were thinking, okay, I'm going to move further uptown. Um, I, I want to, I can, I'm fine being farther away from the downtown nightlife and such and want a little bit quieter neighborhood. Sometimes people that pushes them to the upper East, upper West, the proliferation of all this, the, all the schools and such that are in those two neighborhoods that pushes people North as they're having families and such. Well, the upper West side, close to your heart. Uh, I've learned a lot. We work obviously a lot up there because of love your it. residence in the area. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I love it. I, maybe someday, maybe someday I'll make it up your neck of the woods. Uh, we'll see. Um, but it was great talking to you, John. Great. Me too, Jonathan. Great uh, hearing what I always, you know, like to hear what you have to say about uh, the Upper West Side in particular because of your uh, your closeness up there and your your uh, intimate. As I said, the east side's the nice side. The west side is the best side. <laughs> you can quote me I don't, because that came from Father Dufel. As always, if you want to find us online or sign up to get our monthly and quarterly market stats, come on over to our website, www.johnandjonathansellnyc.com or find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and everywhere else. Uh, with the handle uh, John and Jonathan Sell NYC. Uh, and if you want to grab the show notes, go to our website. Again, John and Jonathan Sell NYC.com forward slash podcast. And we'll see you next time. Look forward to it. Thanks for watching or listening to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast, where experienced expert New York City real estate brokers, John Gastaska and Jonathan Conlon, break down what's happening in the market, what you need to know, whether you're a buyer, seller, or agent, and their insight into the future with a little bit of fun along the way. If you'd like to take a look at our listings, have a property you're thinking of selling, or are wondering if we could help you finally find the perfect place to call home, feel free to reach out. You can email us at info at johnandjonathansellnyc.com or reach out via our Facebook page or Instagram at johnandjonathansellnyc. If you enjoyed today's podcast, consider telling a friend or family member about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Those are some of the best ways of supporting our efforts and we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you again for tuning in. We can't wait to share what's coming up next. Subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time.